Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Better Together, Part 1. Worship, Serve, Grow. Recorded Sunday, April 18th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. Mark Twain is, is uh, credited with saying that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day that you find out why. And there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, as a pastor, both here and on college campuses uh, in my past, uh, I've had the opportunity to walk beside lots of people who were searching for their purpose. And they ask, what's God's will for my life? And while I haven't always been there when they kind of figure out the fine details of that, uh, I can tell you that I've told every single person the same thing. And that is God's overriding will for your life is simply that you bring glory and honor to him. Period. That's it. And he may give you some finer details along the way or some specific tasks, but it's really about... Uh, it's really about bringing glory and honor to him. And if we, if we walk in that way, we'll undoubtedly figure out some of the specifics as to our why. It was a lot of fun last week as we witnessed those 27 people and a few more today uh, who took that big step in discovering what their why is. And if, if the process of discovering why is important for individuals, we think it's important for a church as well. And so over the next three weeks, uh, we're going to take a deeper look at our why. Why does Third City Christian Church exist? Why are we here? And if you've been around here for any time at all, you've probably seen and even memorized our vision statement. Don't give yourself too much credit. It's, it's two words, right? Love unlimited. We believe that we have received God's unlimited love for us. And then we believe that it's our job to reflect that love in an unlimited way to the people around us. Love unlimited. And, and, and then we take another step further and we have our, our mission statement. Now, a mission statement simply lays out how we will go about living out our vision. And here it gets really complicated. We go from two words all the way up to three, right? Worship, serve, and grow. And if you were to uh, uh, think about that, like the reason we have a, a mission statement is help us to stay on mission. Pretty simple. And, and if you were to, to imagine three buckets up here on stage, one labeled worship, the second one labeled serve, and the third one labeled grow, we believe that everything that we do here, our programs, our ministries, even our conversations ought to fit into those three buckets in one way or another. And as a church, just like any of us individually, we can get really busy, uh, but not make significant progress towards living out what we're called to live out. Uh, thankfully, we're not called to uh, do this on our own. See, the book of Acts is simply a written history of the early church. It records how the church existed and who some of the key uh, characters were. And it gives us a great picture of how God provided for his church and also guided them in the process of welcoming in as many people as possible. And 2,000 years later, it still serves and gives us a lot of insight into how we can be the most God-honoring and Jesus-proclaiming church possible. And really, over the next few weeks, we want to take a deeper dive into one passage, just six verses, 
that give us a great picture of what the church of Jesus can look like. And so today, as we prepare to discuss the important topic of worship, whether you're here in this room or in the plaza, I just want to welcome, I would just want to ask everyone, would you stand up? And we're going to read through this passage together. Acts 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You can be seated. Before we go uh, further into this, I want to point out something really important. You see, I, I don't think the book of Acts and this, this uh, passage specifically uh, is necessarily intended to be an exact blueprint of what the church uh, should look like and operate. It doesn't determine how we go about doing ministry. See, some people can read a passage like this and, and say things like, well, it doesn't say anything about buildings or about programs, and it sure doesn't say anything about drum sets, right? And, and noticing that can turn into a, a grumpy or critical spirit. Uh, and, and I want you to understand that's missing the point. And it's caused a lot of division in the church over the last 2,000 years. The key is to build on principles that we see in Acts and to constantly be asking how our church can most effectively make Jesus more famous. And so understand this, the spirit of the mission of Third City Christian Church will never change. Uh, we will be about worshiping and serving and growing. We may change the words at some point, but the spirit of that will never change. But our methods... Man, they'll change in a heartbeat if we determine that there's a better way to reach people. We might use rap music. I hope not, but we might, right? Like we will change our methods to reach people, period. But our mission never changes. So these people came to a crossroads in their life and recognized that Jesus was who he said he was. And uh, as they processed what had taken place on a cross, and then three days later in an empty tomb, they realized that Jesus was deserving of more than their admiration or their distant respect. And just months after Jesus gave his everything for them, uh, they came to understand that their best response would be to offer their everything for him. And so they entered into this new kind of a life, making Jesus and his church, his bride, the most important thing. And from this passage, we see all three words, worship, serve, grow, lived out. And today, we're going to take a deep dive into the first of those words. And see, the word itself needs a little definition for us to be able to move forward. We use the word worship, which simply comes from an old English word, worth-ship, uh, which came from a Greek word. Uh, and, and, and that word's a, a little confusing. I'm going to have you repeat it after me. Proskuneo. Right? We butchered that. Right? Um, and if you work on it, 
you'll sound a little bit like a Russian spy, but I want to define what this word means for us. The first part is two different elements to it. The first one is to kiss toward God. See, this part is pretty straightforward. When a king or other ruler would pass through a village in that culture, people would line the streets and shower the person with words of praise, even to the point of blowing kisses their direction. And here at Third City, we have moments of pure celebration together, both both on Sunday mornings and in groups and even individually throughout the week, where we sing praises or we share really good news of what God's doing in our life. And, and that's practicing kissing toward God. And the, when, we, when we talk about kissing toward, the word we proclaim is Savior. The second aspect of this word is uh, that we uh, kiss the ring. And it's simply the idea that when a person would approach a king on his throne, they would humbly bend their knee and bow in reverence and kiss his ring. And this would remind the king and the person of their position and their condition. It was a humble and complete pledge of allegiance. See, the word we proclaim when we kiss the ring is Lord. We come to him with a deep sense of reverence and respect, and, and understand this true worship is when we combine the two. It's both Savior and Lord. And if you were a king and someone approached you in either one of these ways, it would matter to you who the person was. You see, if you owned slaves and one of them came to you and they blew kisses towards you, as a king, you would just know well, they're doing it because they have to do it. Uh, keep the boss happy is the mentality there. But if the admiration and respect is shown by a freed person, you'd receive the gift in a much different and better way. Romans 8.15 tells us, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. We call him Daddy. Because we understand that he's for us. We don't worship to earn anything. We worship because we've been given. And we know that we have relationship with him because of Jesus. You see, it's not, it's not just hoping to, keep him, uh, hoping to keep him from being angry. We, we do it because we recognize he's a good, good father. And so having defined the word, uh, I think it's important that we talk about what we worship Simply put, we worship what we value most. Louis Giglio, a pastor and author, says, it's easy, you simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. See, worship, again, it's our response to what we value most. Everybody worships, whether they go to church or not. It's what you're all about on any given day. That trail, it never lies. We may say we value this thing or that thing more than any other thing, uh, but it's really about our actions. They speak louder than our words. Businessman Gary Keller wrote a book called One, and he talks about the power of priority in our lives. Uh, the word priority, understand this, has been around since the 14th century. 
And it simply means the most important thing. 500 years unchanged, priority. In the last 100 years, we've taken that word and we've pluralized it. We say priorities. Because somehow we think that if having one most important thing is good, well, having six or seven of them must be better, right? It's not what the word was meant to mean. Priority, it's the most important thing. My guess is that you're a lot like me. Uh, There wasn't a moment where you decided ever in your life, I think I'll worship something not worth worshiping. Maybe I'll turn my hobby or my team or my career or my relationship with a person into something more like a little G God. It just kind of happens slowly, slowly over time. Something or some person takes seat number one in your life. And for most of us, the things that do that aren't inherently evil. They're maybe even good. They just don't deserve that prominent of a place in your life. For me, Husker football, it's not bad. I mean, right now it's kind of bad, but it's not evil, right? Husker football isn't evil, but it doesn't deserve the time and devotion that sometimes I give it from my schedule. A good thing too often becomes an ultimate thing. When that happens, it becomes destructive. And for me, it's an everyday decision. I wake up and I need to tell myself, today I worship King Jesus. And tomorrow, I need to wake up and say the same exact phrase in my life. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he tells us in Matthew 16, he says, if anyone is to follow me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. He's King Jesus, and he deserves our everything. So maybe today is a chance to recalibrate and determine that God really does deserve to receive all of your worship. See, in a culture that has embraced priorities, let's make sure that we have our priority. And so with the remainder of our time this morning, I want to take a look at how we worship corporately, individually, how we worship. Some of you have heard of the author named Gary Chapman. He's written a bunch of books about love and relationships and marriage, and his most famous book is called The Five Love Languages. And the idea of that book is we all tend to express and receive love in one or more of these five ways. Over the years, I've worked with a whole lot of college students, and I've gotten to watch Uh, them as they fall in love, they meet and they fall in love and they move towards marriage. And love does funny things to people, right? Like, I've I've seen college guys put down the remote control to the video game system and turn their attention to a girl. Like, miraculous, right? Love does these things to us. And it's a good, good thing. Steve started dating Laura just two weeks before Valentine's Day, which was his first mistake, right? Guys, we understand February 15th, right? That's when, no, I'm just kidding. That's a terrible idea. But Steve started dating Laura, and within two weeks, he was head over heels in love. And he sat down with me on the 13th, and he told me about his plans to express his endless 14-day love. Uh, He had hired an a cappella quartet, to surprise the affection of his, his uh, affection on Valentine's Day while she was at work. 
at Subway, right? Like, that's love unlimited, isn't it? Like, Steve knew that this was the girl, and he was willing to go to any length to communicate to him, to her. Evidently, Stephen understood her love language because they got married uh, within a year, and they have three little kids, and they're doing great. When we talk about worship, we need to understand this. If God created us with love languages, he's got them too. If we believe that he created us in his image, he's got love languages. And because he's complete, he's got all five of them. And our lives need to become uh, an exercise of learning to recognize how he's expressing love to us and how we express love back to him. I believe Jesus wrapped up all five of these languages with one short sentence recorded in Mark chapter 12. Verse 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let's take a quick tour of these love languages and see how we practice them. Uh, The first one's just called quality time. Uh, The time we spend reading his word in moments of prayer where We come to him in adoration and confession and thanksgiving and asking him to supply our needs. Private times of worship or simply basking in his creativity when you look at mountains or when you see that Nebraska harvest sunset. And we're just awestruck because of how creative he is and how good he is. Jesus modeled this for, him, for us as he would often go off by himself or with a couple of close friends. Mark 9 records an occasion when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mountain and they met with their boyhood heroes, Elijah and Moses. And God himself showed up in the form of a cloud. And Peter's so caught up in the moment that he says, we should just stay here. Uh, I'll put up some tents and we'll never go back down the mountain. And we need moments like that, don't we? We need those moments where we lose track of time because we're spending quality time with God. If you've been through Rooted, maybe you remember your reaction when you found out there was going to be a three-hour prayer experience. And at first you thought, you're nuts. And then you went through the experience and about two hours and 55 minutes later, you were like, we're almost done? Because you lose track of that time when you're spending that kind of quality time with God. The second language is gifts. And we recognize how he has both gifted us and given to us. And, and we give those things back. See, we use our spiritual gifts to serve people around us and steward our money really well. And we tithe not because he's demanding, but because we can imagine his face light up when we exhibit trust and give with a joyful heart. Man, Third City is full of people who are incredibly generous. And it's good for our church and our community, and it's, it's good for the missions we support. And can I tell you, it's going to be really, really good this summer for all kinds of middle schoolers and high schoolers who get to go to camp because you are a generous church. And I can tell you that's not just donating. It's worshiping. And if you want to join that kind of a team, man, we would love to help you figure out what that looks like in your life on our website or speaking to one of us or visiting one of our hubs on your way out of the building today. 
Third, we talk about acts of service. You see, when you're asked to be a volunteer here, whether it's holding a door or holding a baby or handing out communion supplies or directing traffic in a parking lot, what you're really being asked to do is serve as a worship leader. And your leadership blesses God and blesses people. And it's not just volunteering, it really is worship. Everything that we do here is part of our worship of our God. We had a group yesterday working at a Habitat for Humanity house. And I know that there's a family that's just beaming because they're about to move into this house. But I also believe that there's a God who's beaming because his children used what they've been given to bless other people. And God gives each one of us different abilities and spiritual gifts. And every time the Bible talks about these gifts, two things are consistent. First, they're intended to produce unity in the church. And second, they really aren't gifts until they're given away, right? Until we use what God has gifted us with, we're just hoarding it. But when we open up and we give those things out and we share them, they become spiritual gifts. If you've been around here, but you've kind of been on the sidelines, can I encourage you to step into action and utilize the gifts he's given you to make your church and your community a better place? The fourth language is physical touch. And can I just say, simply put, when you share a moment, taking time to shake someone's hand or give someone a hug, uh, you're participating in something that is deeply meaningful and even spiritual. And I think it's been one of the most difficult things about the last year. You see, we've all learned that COVID dance, haven't we? Where you see someone across the room and you're walking up to them and you're like, are you a waver? Are you a handshaker? Are you, a, are you an elbow guy? Are you, are you a hugger? What are you? And, and, and we don't know how to approach it. And, and the reason for that is we are not a creation that was made for social distancing. See, in Jesus' miracles with lepers and blind people, uh, a dying woman, and over a dozen other times, touch was involved. And I'm convinced that in none of those instances was it necessary. Not one time did Jesus need to touch that person in order to heal them. He touched them to connect with them. He touched them to heal something far bigger than their physical problems. My kids are getting a little bit older and our daughter lives a couple hours away and so there's not many times when we're all four in the same room. But when we are and my daughter gives my son a hug, man, it makes this dad's heart happy. Like, I can't wait until he gives me a hug, right? Like that'll be, maybe it's asking too much, but but it makes my heart happy when my kids are affectionate with each other. And if it does it for this dad, I think it does it for our Heavenly Father as well. And the fifth and final language is words of affirmation, and we simply call that praise. It can be spoken, whether in a sermon or a praise of what God has done, or it can be done with music. And when we talk about music, we know that we're really spoiled here, right? Uh, we love when we come together in musical worship. See, during the week, I'll listen to some worship songs on Spotify, and they're pretty good. But when I'm listening, I'm like, I can't wait till I'm together and sing that with my church family. Because it's better. It's better when we do those things 
together. Ephesians 5, 19 says, speak in psalms uh, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. See, music has a major impact on us. It connects with our souls in a way that's really hard to describe. And it serves as kind of this bookmark of sorts. You see, you play some good 80s rock, Boston or Bon Jovi or maybe a little bit of Chicago and and don't tell anyone, but maybe even a little bit of air supply. And these memories start rushing back into my mind of when I was in high school. And these good memories, music does that for us. It encapsulates those memories. And music has had this impact on pretty much every culture throughout history. Music taught people where they could find food and water. Music gave people a way to remember their ancestry. American slaves used music to convey hope and even information about escape. In our modern culture, we use music to teach kids all kinds of things, including the days of the week and the bone structure and even the alphabet song, right? Music makes memorable the things that are hard to memorize. And to be honest with you, I know far more scripture because of music than because of my, dis- my, dis- my disciplined Bible study. Because I learn scripture from the music that we sing and, and the music that I listen to throughout the week. And then we use music to celebrate, honor, and remember what has been done through us through the faithfulness of our God. And I know for some of us in this room, Music can be a struggle, and and I'm with you, right? Like, one of my greatest fears is that I'll leave this microphone on during the worship time, right? And, and, And it's just, some of you are beautiful singers, and I'm not one of you, right? And so I was at a conference with a bunch of college students once, and, and, and my group was over here, and there was a new group sitting to this side of me, and this girl here just had an angelic voice, and I thought we were harmonizing together really well. And, and I saw out of the corner of my eye, she starts to put her hand up, and I'm thinking, she's into it, right? Like, this is a, this is a big worship moment. But instead of doing this, she did this and plugged her ear so she couldn't hear me. And the wound was deep, but the message was communicated. So if I'm ever sitting next to you on a Sunday morning, show a little grace, right? Like, if you need to walk away from me, walk away from me, but don't be so bold in that. Whether you sing as well as someone uh, on stage here or you can't carry a tune in a bucket, can I just encourage you, sing out loud. Sometimes we just assume that Midwestern guy posture and we think, I, I, I'm not a singer. Man, sing out loud because we're not singing to each other. We're singing to our Father in heaven, and he loves it, whether you're talented or not. When I sing by myself, there aren't a whole lot of people who would care to hear it. (laughs) But when I sing with all of you, uh, it's attractive. And people come to this church because we use music that connects with them on a very, very deep level. When it comes to all of these love languages at Third City, I love this about us. We understand that we really are better together. What we do here on Sundays, what our young people do on Wednesdays and other groups throughout the week, it prepares us for the rest of our week. And what we do during the week ought to prepare us for being together. 
And it accomplishes some of those things we read in Acts 2. They devoted themselves. You're here. The believers were together and they had everything in common. Everyone was filled with wonder. And the Lord added to their number. And it prepares us for the rest of our week. And so we're going to transition into another time of praise. And as we do that, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. And I want to read a few passages over you. And let these passages sink in deep and prepare you to worship together before our God. Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing and know that he is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good and his his steadfast love lasts forever. Psalm 66, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise and say to God, how awesome are your deeds. And then Psalm 95 says, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all other gods. Come let us bow Bend the knee and worship and adore him. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God and we are the people of his pasture. I kind of wanted to, I don't know what the sign is, but I kind of wanted to say, let's just, let's just keep singing. But we have one more piece of worship. And uh, I love the sound of us when we sing together. We do pretty well. Uh, my voice sounds much better with you. But I also love the sound that we didn't ever experience a year ago when we take this little bag and this little foil cup. And if you just listen as people are opening that, it's, it's kind of this beautiful, reckless moment because it's, uh, it's this reminder that what we're doing is, is both individual and, and together. And so uh, if you would take out your piece of bread this morning. We take this to remember. We take it to celebrate. We remember that we have a Savior, fully man, but fully God, who willingly gave his life for you, hung on the cross for me. We take the bread and we remember. And then together we uh, peel off that noisy foil. And we celebrate the fact that the blood of Jesus was poured out. It wasn't spilled, it was poured out for you and me. He did it on purpose because he knew that we needed to be restored back to our Father. And the blood will never lose power.
Pray with me. God, we do all these things because we just can't get enough of you and we want to worship you. Man, we do it together and we are better together and you've called us to a lifestyle of worship. We say thank you for, because you, you brought wholeness to where we could not find wholeness outside of you. And it leads us to sing hallelujah to you because you are good and your love set an example for us. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.